Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. We focus on Jesus, being like Him and glorifying Him, and aren't afraid to do so, because we've gotten past the world's myopic notion that Jesus and the Bible are irrelevant to issues and life today. I'm Kevin Brownlee. And since the Bible is relevant to issues today, one of the ways that we can find that out is by praying and then praying for specific things and seeing God answer those prayers. That's exciting. Do any of you ever think, I doubt God hears my prayers? He sure doesn't seem to answer them. Well, since I firmly believe God hears and answers every prayer of mine, and I have countless specific examples of his answers, I often wonder why some Christians may think that, or why God actually doesn't answer their prayers. I know some of you honestly don't get answers, and I sympathize with you and may be able to help. Here are some possibilities for you to consider and what the Bible especially Jesus, says about each one. So some of the ways that are preventing God from answering your prayers are actually in the Bible, so we can find them and and apply them to our life so that we don't do those things. The first one is, maybe you're not really a biblical Christian. You know, I think that God hears our prayers, but he doesn't answer them unless we are a biblical Christian. And what do I mean by biblical Christian? Well, the Bible says that we have to believe in Jesus, but it's more than that. We have to actually understand that we are a sinner, and we are apart from God because of that sin. We cannot get to him, and he does not hear our prayers except one prayer, and that's the prayer of repentance. So when you realize you're a sinner, and you tell God, I'm so sorry, I am a sinner, and I have I have done things that you said not to do. I apologize for that. Will you forgive me? And Jesus, will you come into my life and be the Lord of my life? That's a prayer that God hears. And when you truly become a biblical Christian like that, then you open up a dialogue with God. Thanks to the work Jesus did on the cross on your behalf. So the first thing that I came to in the Bible of why God might not answer our prayers is, well, it's found in Luke 11, 9 through 13, and a couple other verses I'll mention here in a little bit, but it's because you don't specifically ask for things. I have found that God specifically answers specific requests or specific prayers. The Luke 11 passage says, so I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father 
Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's John 15, 7. And John 14, 13 through 14 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So maybe you need to ask more specifically. Next comes from James 1, verses 6 through 8, where he says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when you ask God for things, ask in faith. Don't doubt. Ask in faith that he will answer them. And then he will. Another one is, you ask wrongly and for stupid stuff. James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, or wrongly, that you may spend it on your pleasures. By the way, the original Greek word for amiss is kakos, from which we get the word kaka. Yep, your prayers are crappy. Maybe you pray something like, God, please have me win the lottery so I could buy that new 4x4 I want. (laughs) The next one is, you aren't abiding in Christ. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You can look that one up in John 15, 7. So learn what it means to abide in Christ, and him abide in you, and your prayers will be answered. Next one is, you don't have faith God will answer. Matthew twenty one twenty two says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. The next one is, you pray to be or look religious. And when you pray, Jesus says, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's from Matthew 6, 5 through 6. Next is, you pray selfishly, as if you know better than God. Luke twenty two forty two says, Not my will, but yours be done. Another way is, you've turned away from God, or you don't read your Bible anymore. Proverbs 28, 9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, which is another word for the Bible, even his prayer is an abomination. Wow. Another one is, you value a sin in your life more than you value God. Psalm 66, 18 says, 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And John 9.31 says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Next one is, You have idols where God should be. God says in Ezekiel 14.3, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Another one is, your prayers don't line up with God's will. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In an upcoming episodes of this podcast, I'll talk more about how to know God's will for your life. Okay, here's another one. This is probably the last one. You treat your spouse wrongly. 1 Peter 3.7 says something very sobering here, guys. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, that's 1 Peter 3, 7. I suggest go read that to yourself. So, in a recap, let me just run through them real quick so that you can start working on them. The first is you aren't a biblical Christian. So make sure you are a real Christian, that Jesus knows you. And that starts by being repentant of your sins and asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. Next is, you don't specifically ask. Next is, you doubt. Next is, you ask wrongly and for stupid stuff. Next is, you aren't abiding in Christ. The next, you don't have faith that God will answer. Or the next one is, you pray to be or look religious. Next is, you pray selfishly, as if you know better than God. Next is, you turned away from God, or don't read your Bible anymore. Next is, you value a sin in your life more than God. And the next is, you have idols where God should be. And the next one is, your prayers don't line up with God's will. And the last one is, you treat your spouse wrongly. Okay, so there's some things for you to take a look at in your life and maybe take care of. But then you may be asking, so how do I know that God will answer my prayers? Well, maybe it'll help if you fully understand this promise from the first megachurch pastor which was the church in Jerusalem. His name was James, and he wrote in a book something he saw actually occur among the people in his church. He wrote this in James 5.16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. 
You see, God works with righteous people to accomplish common wishes and goals. Are you righteous? Do you have wishes? You are righteous in the eyes of God if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. That means God will hear you and will answer. I believe God answers all of our prayers when they line up with His will. That may be an intangible comment, but this may help. Is what you were praying for something Jesus would also want for you? That's actually why we end our prayers with, In Jesus' name, amen. In John fourteen, thirteen through 14 Jesus said, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Doesn't that give you confidence about your prayers? Even though ending our prayers with a statement, in Jesus' name, amen, isn't in itself a, like an abracadabra statement that makes your prayers happen, it's simply a way of saying, I think what I prayed for is something Jesus would agree with. You don't have to end your prayers with it. It's more of a reminder for you than for God. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Usually God answers our prayers with any of these responses. Yes, no, later, Or, I have something better for you. Remember, God loves you like a wise and generous daddy. Galatians 4, 6-7 reminds us of that. And he loves to do things for us that we will thank him and praise him for. So rest assured, folks, praying avails much. Oh, and one other thing. The term amen means so be it. It's like signing your name at the end of a letter. Prayers are answered when you and God are on the same page. Let's face it, folks. We are greedy and we're selfish. (laughs) Really. We want things, we want them now, and we get upset when we don't get them. We complain and whine and cry and pout. We are scared and worried and we're needy. Then when we pray, we express all of those traits, but try really hard to sound mature and spiritual. God probably smiles and laughs, giving Jesus a little wink. But the good thing is, God knows that's how most of us are, and he loves us anyway. And he listens to us anyway. We do, however, need to realize God's love, as well as his character and even his righteous agenda as best we can for us. That helps us not be so childish and needy, enabling us to line up better with whom we have been created in His image. Here are some suggestions to help your page of prayer requests become closer to God's page, or actually be on the same page as God. Your page says, Please give me an easy day, God's page says, I will give you strength with my own power. 
Your page says, Please let me win the lottery. God's page says, Seek first my kingdom, and all of your basic needs will be given to you. Your page says, Please help me pass this test. I didn't really study for it. God's page says, The diligent and hardworking are rewarded. Your page says, Why am I sick? Why won't you heal me? God's page says, My grace is sufficient for you. The sooner you learn that, the better you'll be. Your page says, I'm so tired of this time of trouble. I have no idea why it's happening to me. God's page says, I am allowing this so you can be stronger and be more like Jesus. And when this season of troubles ends for you, when this season ends, and it will, you can help others going through something similar. Your page says, Please don't have her call me. I don't want to have to go help her again. God's page says, Don't grow weary of doing good. You will get rewarded in due season. Your page says, Please get me out of this. God's page says, I want you to go through this so that you will learn patience and be able to help others go through it too. Your page says, I don't want to go to church today. God's page says, I have a special blessing for you today. You won't want to miss it. Your page says, Please don't have him come over here. I don't know what to say. God's page says, I will give you some things to say to that guy, things I want him to hear that will change his life for the better. And I'm hoping you will be willing to listen to me and say what I once said. Hopefully those resonate with you, and you'll be able to get a little closer onto God's page. You see, because prayer involves trust, trusting God with the competent and correct answers. Prayer to God and not trusting Him with the results is like putting gasoline in a car that's missing the engine. You certainly could do that, but it would be a waste. Yet so many of us ask God for things in prayer and have little or no confidence in Him answering those requests. That may be because His answers are sometimes different than we want or are slower at coming than we hope. He is a lot smarter and more powerful than we are, and He can see into our future. We just need to understand that He will always answer in ways better than we actually want. So think about that analogy again here. Prayer is like the gasoline that you put in God's car, which is a well-tuned, well-running car. And all you have to do is enjoy the ride. That's kind of a great one-liner to remember. Here are a couple more. The key to your successful prayer life is trusting God with the answers. Do your absolute best and give God the rest. Here's some one-liners by some very famous people. Corey Ten Boom said, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Charles Spurgeon said, Prayer can never be in excess. Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. 
Dr. James McDonald said, Prayer gets us on God's agenda, not God on our agenda. Oswald Chambers said, We look upon prayer as a means of getting things for ourselves. The Bible's idea of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. And Adrian Rogers says, The prayer offered to God in the morning during your quiet time is the key that unlocks the door of the day. Any athlete knows that it's the start that ensures a good finish. In 2008, when the Great Recession came, my steel fabrication business really suffered. Anybody that was involved in the construction industry really had some hard years ahead. Some customers stopped paying their invoices or found excuses not to pay, and new work became elusive. I'm sure you've heard similar stories. I always knew I needed God's help daily and prayed a lot for His help. But one day in 2009, I made the commitment to get out of bed a half an hour earlier each day, go downstairs to a quiet place, get on my knees, and I prayed fervently. I did that for about 20 minutes or so every morning. Those daily times in prayer changed my life, and God got us through those hard times. I really learned that God will answer specific prayers specifically. And through that, God became more real to me than in all my previous 40 years of walking with Him. God honored my prayers, and God proved to me He is real, He loves me, and loves to answer my prayers. I still cherish that prayer time each day, and I highly suggest you do too. It's the foundation of a good day, and it brings glory to Him, and is the foundational trait of a Blue Jeans Christian. In our next episode, we're going to learn that I think the Apostle Paul wore blue jeans. Anyway, there was a time in Scripture where his ego got the best of him and he lost his temper, and it really disrupted the unity in the new church that was just forming. But you know what? He realized that and dealt with it, and we can all learn from that so that we don't do those same kinds of things. So listen to this podcast the next time where we will talk about how to get along with others in the church. And it's a key to being a Blue Jeans Christian.